0: welcome to overtime hockey talk you are listening to a special edition an off season report for the Detroit Red Wings a team that my co-host Justin Baker is a huge fan of has been for uh, at least the last 43 years or so and uh, before he was even a before you were even born you were a Red Wings fan is that right did i that's hear that true, right
1: that's true actually yeah no no my dad actually will attest to that
0: yeah i mean if you think about it your dad was there with your mom yelling, "Go wings, go, You might have just been a little egg somewhere buried back in the pack, but you were there,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great, starting off great, yeah,
0: yeah, obviously,, I no, gotta start off this way, uh, well, the Detroit Red Wings had a oh about the about the season we expected, I mean. They're they're one they're one of those teams where you know I we picked them to be near or at the bottom of the division and it happened and they make us feel good about our pick for where we put them. So, uh, but a boring kind of I boring maybe isn't the right word, but it's I understand as a Leafs fan it's it's hard to trudge through a season that you know has no meaning like not a whole lot's happening at least the Red Wings did send, you know, they sent Franz Nielsen down to the minors in order to make some space for younger players. So there, there was some of that, uh, but the Red Wings, they're going to need to uh, continue to work this rebuild. I just want to get your thoughts as to what they're going to do. I'm, I'm going to let you uh, let you go. Cause wow. <laughs> this is your baby here.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no secret, right? This team is rebuilding and, Uh, this is Iserman's team now he's you know um, obviously developing and making the prospects the picks he's a couple years into it now and so um, you know really the the concern is just letting these younger guys get the available time get the available treatment development and do it right because they've got a lot of really really good prospects as far as I'm concerned I mean I think the Hockey Writers Association dubbed them the seventh best prospects pool in the NHL and so Um, You know, they've got a lot of interesting prospects as far as, you know, Maurice Snyder just got named the SHL defenseman of the year for, a you know, a 20-year-old kid. That's incredible.
0: Yep. That's Uh, that's fantastic for them.
1: Yeah. Lucas Raymond, uh, another fantastic pick that fell into their lap at number four last year. Joe Valino, um, you know, again, the big thing, too, and as a Wings fan, you know, obviously – Steve Eiserman's trying to make moves to also acquire those draft picks, right? And, I mean, we saw this year taking on the contract of Mark Stahl to acquire some some assets there. And I think, you know, this year I'm not going to be surprised to see much of the same because we see this Red Wing team going into next season with $48.9 million of cap space, which is absolutely crazy. And, obviously, this team, you know, has a lot of holes to fill. They finished 30th in goals for, um, you know, obviously 30th in power play percentages 30th for shots for so the offense just wasn't there. Granted, a lot of these guys, Dylan Larkin, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, spent a lot of the season injured. But you know, obviously, there's a need for you know more scoring, more offensive guys, and so you might see it with you know guys like Lucas Raymond coming up this year. Who knows if he's going to play full time or not? Um, you know, and who knows if Stevie's going to actually make a big splash in, in the offseason? I know they just had a uh, an interview with him, and he came out and said that. You know he doesn't want to deal draft picks to acquire big name players unless just the right deal comes along, which you know, in Steve Eisman's. Oh, you mean
0: like every uh, everybody else?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Hey, I do don't you want to trade name. big draft picks for players? Well, only if the right player comes along. Well, yeah, no exactly. Kid, no, shh.
1: <laughs> but what I will say is he he does it smart, right? And at least so far, what I've seen out of him, it seems like he hasn't made any moves that you know, like the few years before when you looked at. Ken Holland coming in here, signing guys like Darren Helm, Justin Advocator, who they bought out because they signed these just horrendous deals that just hurt you. Franz Nielsen, you talked about him, right? In the minors to make space for some of these young guys. And I think the Red Wings had this delusion of they could, you know, bounce back quickly with Ken Holland at the helm there because they were used to 25 straight years of making the playoffs. So, you know, why wouldn't you think you're invincible at that point? And I think the realization set in when they finally brought an Iserman and they said, hey, we gotta we gotta do this right, and here he goes making moves. And the one thing I think you can look at the Red Wing season and say it ended fantastic with was that Jacob Barrana deal, right? Sure he goes and acquires a, a massive haul of picks. Not to mention he gets rid of a a, a guy in an Anthony Mantha, who is, as far as I'm concerned concerned, you know, a very streaky goal scorer. When he's hot, he's very, very good, uses his body well to protect the puck. But when he's not, I mean,
0: he's well, nowhere he to just, be found. I mean, he just needed a, you know, a change of pace, a, a change of scenery. I think Mantha was, for whatever reason, always seemed to be a little bit of a whipping boy. Uh, didn't oh, absolutely. Ha- didn't have the greatest playoff for, uh, for Washington. Uh, it doesn't always happen super quickly, though. You know, a guy doesn't always get dealt and finds his way right away. Uh, but right. I, I think you that he will be used well in Washington, I think, but... Yeah, I mean, Jacob Verana had clearly showed that uh, he, he wanted to be in Detroit. He was happy to be put into a position where he got to play more and play up in the lineup. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, 11 points in 11 games, eight goals. Obviously, four of those coming in the same game. Uh, but still, I mean, 10 goals or four goals in 10 games. You'll take that all day over a regular that's a thirty goal regular season, even without that four goal game. So uh Jacob Verona definitely found his way that way. Uh and those are the deals uh for a guy like Eiserman that that you love because I mean not only did they bring him in, but they also got Washington's first round pick. Now Washington loses in the first round. Now their pick is, you know, maybe in the top twenty. Uh, I guess it's it's probably just below that, right? It's probably like twenty three, something like that. Yeah, probably so. going to be
1: because what a, the way it works out this year, basically. Um, they're gonna basically see who gets eliminated in the first round, and then they reseed by you know the way you finished in the, the regular season. And so, you know, I, I suspect because you know Washington finished high, they were, they'll probably pick in like you said, maybe the mid twenties, low twenties there.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's, and that's generally still, how how it's done. Is like whoever, whatever round you lose, you're in that block of teams next in terms of the draft position, and then out of those teams, you basically rank them by points and that's right. that's your order that you're getting in. So uh yeah, I would I mean I so either way, it's somewhere around 20. So it's not a bad not a bad pick. You know, it's not like Washington went and they go to the Stanley Cup finals and you end up with a, a 31st overall or 32nd overall pick like that it makes the deal extra sweet. A top 25 first round draft pick and oh, they got a second round pick next year too. So, yep. <laughs> so they, they they banked in on that one. Uh, what do you think? Now, it seems like the I mean the Red Wings defense core uh, is is going to lose quite a few. Well, they're going to maybe lose Mark Stahl. My guess is that he looks for an opportunity because he had a, he had a halfway decent year with Detroit. Uh, Will probably look for an opportunity to do something elsewhere uh, and and win, but. You know, this this defense core is kind of wide open. Is there anything outside of I, – I don't think there's any doubt. Is Maurice Snyder, he's going to play in the NHL next year?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt
0: Sider, sorry, all. I said Snyder, I think. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Maurice Snyder. cider
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think there's no doubt at all that he's going to be in the top four next year. It's just uh, in what capacity. I think, obviously, if you're Detroit, you're – you know, you've got your RFA, Philip Ronick, who's your was your leading point scorer for this Detroit Red Wings team as a defenseman. Uh, this guy is obviously, he's a top four defenseman. So you're going to get him re-signed. He's going to be up there. Obviously, Danny DeKaiser, I I think they're going to give him another shot to, to continue to, to play some minutes while they develop some younger guys. And you're going to have other, you know, younger guys like Dennis Cholowski, uh, Lidstrom, guys who can maybe play in a, you know, a, a bottom-pairing, you know, role. And, you know, obviously Troy Stetcher as well, they'll give him top four minutes. So I think if you're a Detroit, really, I think you probably don't want to go out and make a move because one, you want to give some of these younger guys opportunity to, uh, you know, go out and earn some minutes. But then, you know, secondly, you don't want to, you know, hamper their development. And I think wasting it on, you know, signing a veteran when you know you're, you know, at least a good three, four years away anyways, is probably a waste, you know, for, for some of these younger guys. So let them get the opportunity to play, now, the other question is if you really think, you know, maybe, say, a younger defenseman is better served in the minors, and that's, you know, one thing when they can maybe get a little bit more minutes, uh, a few more minutes down there. But, you know what I mean? I, I think, obviously, if you're Detroit, you would like to see some of these guys develop. And, uh, you know, I think probably the best, best plan for them would be to just play them as they got them, you know, not go out and really waste any money signing any veteran guys and or big name guys, I guess I should say, because, you know, one, the big name, you know, on the free agent market is Dougie Hamilton. And, you know, you could link him to just about, you know, 29, 30 teams here. But, you know, obviously, I think he wants to go to a contender. And so Detroit will be off that list. And, you know, with that said, you know, why bother, you know, signing a veteran guy like an Alec Martinez, you know, when you can give these younger guys time to develop, give them the minutes and, you know, really show them how to learn.
0: Yeah. Maybe, uh, do you guys want Brendan Smith back? He's a UFA. Yeah,
1: that's very true. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, there, there are some players that I, I guess I could see Nicholas Jalmerson fitting in there. I, I could see Iserman going and, you know, if, if Jalmerson wanted to come and just be a part of like sign a one year deal, come to Detroit, like somebody out there, one of these defensemen, you know, you can look up and down the the UFA defenseman list and, yeah one of these defensemen, maybe two, they're just going to be out there on an island. You know, certain guys are going to get scooped up and there's going to be guys that you didn't expect to get not to not get signed. They're going to still be sitting there. And those are the guys that Steve Eiserman can can go and say, hey, you know, come sign a, uh, a million dollar deal here or maybe we'll give you two million dollars and uh, you can come here and we can deal you at the deadline. If, if we're not any good, you know, there's there will be those options for Detroit. So I don't have any problem with even them spending money like bigger money on some on some guys. If they were able to bring in somebody of significance, Like what if, you know, what if Detroit was able to bring in Jalmerson, but it was going to cost them four million dollars a year? Like if you can sign him for two years at four million for Jalmerson, well, he's a he's a steady presence on the back end he's going to be able to you could you could pair a marit cider you could you could pair philip roenick you could you can put him with just about anybody especially younger guys who generally are going to be a better skater than Jalmerson uh later in it late in his career so then you've got somebody who can tutor and and uh and you know kind of show the ropes a little bit uh schneider marit cider is german he is. Yeah. 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 I was trying to think, is there a, is there another German defenseman that you could bring in and, and you both speak German, <laughs> you know, yeah. to just kind of, I, I don't, I don't know what his, uh, if he has any language struggles at all or, but well, I know that, you know, for some, some of the Russian guys, it's always helpful to have another Russian that, uh, that can kind of, you can communicate a little bit easier with, but, uh, I could see Detroit bringing in somebody who is maybe a little bit better than you'd expect, and and convincing them, hey, you know, we are a team potentially on the rise. Like this is going to be this team is at at least they're fun. Like there's some fun aspects of this team, uh, and they could have one of those New Jersey Devil seasons where you know they're they're well coached. And things kind of come together. They get extra good goaltending and they squeeze into the playoffs. And Eiserman won't overreact to that. He won't go, oh, cool, we're ready to win. He'll just stay the course, won't care, and, uh, and he won't do anything drastic. But I, I, I do think that there are some nice pieces on this Red Wings team already uh, that you know everything could come together and this team could actually contend for a playoff spot if – they hit on a lot of these draft picks. If cider is as good as advertised, like he's going to play for the Red Wings next year. He might win rookie of the year next year. Like he was that good overseas.
1: Yeah. And when you're, I mean, let's face it when you're as big as this kid is, he's six foot three, uh, you know, 208 pounds. He's, he's a big body. He likes to hit too. So, uh, it'll be easy to cause a lot of ruckus and a lot of chaos. And he could, he could instantly be, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with. I mean, hell, he's playing in the world championships right now with Germany. He's got three points through four games as a defenseman. That's, I mean, yes, the talent level's not as, as good, but it's, there's still some good talent there. And even last year in the AHL, he played, you know, his as an 18-year-old with the Griffins. I mean, he put up 22 points in 49 games again as a defenseman. I mean, he's he's got the ability in the flashes to to have both that defensive and offensive game there. So, He's going to be a fun one to watch. And I, and again, back to your point, when you when you talked about bringing in some veteran guys, I, I don't hate that idea either, because, you, you know, I, I think Eisman again, has the idea of acquiring assets. And if you, you sign on these these veteran guys who maybe, you know, can't seem to find a long term contract because you always have those, you know, two or three defensemen that hang out for a long time trying to find that four or five year deal where they just don't get it at the dollar amount they want. So they end up you know taking a short-term deal one or two years and so if your eyes are mean, you maybe can scoop up one of those those quality guys there have them play some some good minutes and help you know bring up these younger kids and then you can flip them at the deadline and acquire second third round picks and you know really again help build out for the future
0: yeah i mean there's and as far as the forward position there definitely are some players that uh, that could fit well with detroit uh coming back you know as as ufas i mean there there's any number of guys that that could step in and, and play a role i mean there, i think that Valteri phil Blow is probably done in detroit They probably won't bring him back uh i wonder if luke glenn denning will be back i wondered why they didn't deal him at the deadline and i was i wondered if it was because they said like we, we want you here for this like where where we'll sign you we'll sign you uh after the season's over. Uh he's he's just a good guy to have around I think. Like there's a reason why a lot of teams asked about him at the deadline. They said no, like obviously the Red Wings felt like man, well, probably the, the like fifth or fourth round pick they could have gotten for him at the deadline. They they didn't want it in exchange for being able to have him around.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, He's a great veteran presence, a great locker room guy. But not only that, I mean, he's a fantastic penalty killer. He is—he was the best faceoff guy in the NHL this season. So why would you not want, you know, that kind of player around your locker room? And you know, he's gonna—he's not gonna cost you much. You know, he might cost you one, another one point eight million dollars, one point seven. Who knows? Right. Right. You, you sign him for a couple of years, and he can play fourth line minutes, and he still has the ability because of his defensiveness to to move up and down the lineup. You know, if needed because of injury.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, uh, is, there, is there anybody that you're hoping, uh, I hope the Wings bring this guy in this this offseason, anybody that you're targeting?
1: Yeah, you know, I obviously there's a couple positions I think the Red Wings really want to look at the forward group. I know they have a lot of young guys, but I think there's one name in particular where I think Iserman has, has shown in the past he's willing to take a chance on some guys. Uh, you know, a name to me that comes to mind is Alexander Wendberg. He looked pretty decent to start the year in Florida, and I think because of their their acquisition of St. Bennett, I think there's going to be no room for him in Florida, and he'll be looking for a deal somewhere else. So maybe you take him on on a one year contract as a project and see if he can, you know, reignite his his offensive abilities when he was in Columbus, and you know, and then again, if not, you can flip him at the deadline. And then a couple other names that I really like, obviously Blake Coleman. I think there's familiarity there with his time in Tampa Bay um you know he's got a little grit to his game and the goal scoring ability is there so he could be someone who could pay you know fit into your middle six role really nice uh with some of these younger players and still show that ability to play both sides of the the ice and then um, you know another name that i look at too is thomas tatar a ufa a guy who in montreal actually this year had decent numbers and pretty good possession numbers as well so you know, maybe he's another guy who, again, familiar with this franchise. You could bring in on a you know two or three year deal at a relatively low cost, and he can be there to kind of supplement those younger guys as they continue to grow.
0: I don't know if I could see Tatar coming to a non playoff team. I don't know. No, if, I, agree, I, know. I
1: agree with you. I think he's he's probably going to shoot for a playoff team. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he uh, you know goes to a team like the Rangers or maybe.
0: Um, gosh, I mean, mean, he's a, a, he's a very underrated. I'm glad you brought him up because he's such an underrated UFA coming into this year. We didn't hear anything about him because obviously Montreal is trying to win. Uh, but Holy smokes. I mean, he is maybe like top five UFAs available. Uh, maybe, maybe better than that. I mean, he, he was, he's been fantastic for Montreal, uh, save the playoffs, but, uh, he's been really good and even laying very consistent the last few years. This isn't just because it's the contract year. Uh, I think that he would be, I, I don't know if there's a team in the league that wouldn't want to have Thomas Tatar in their top six.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I do think again, uh, back to your point, I think he's probably going to head for a contender, you know, somewhere where he can probably slot in on a second line and be, you know, maybe that go-to score for, for that line. But um, uh, you know, again, if Detroit's looking for, for goal scoring for somebody familiar and who could probably come in at the right cost, I think Thomas Tatar would be a name to keep an eye
0: on. Two names. Because uh the Red Wings I would say if there's a if there's a position at the pro level that they don't have a whole lot at, it's center, right? Like you've got Dylan Larkin, you oh, I think that Luke Lindenning will probably be back. Um, so you would have him if he resigns. If he doesn't resign, there really isn't a whole lot outside of Larkin. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I mean they've got Robbie Fabry, but um, you know, is he going to be a second line center for this team for the long term? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like he's better suited on the wing, but you know, again, they still have a need for a guy to to, to position in on a second line or at least who can bounce between the second and third line center spot.
0: Yeah, I uh, one one name that. A wouldn't be a bad signing for the Red Wings it would be a Brandon Sutter You, know, you and get okay. him signed to a, to a, a low cost deal. I mean, he, he really, he's not a big point producer, uh, but he's a, he's a product like he can do a lot of other things outside of that. You know, he can kill penalties. He's, he's been in this league for a long time. He's like 32 years old. Uh, he can still put up the odd point. I mean, he you know in a eighty two game season, he would have been he would have scored in eighteen goals this year. So that's nothing to nothing to balk at. Uh, he Vancouver was just so bad uh, this this last year, but but he could be somebody you could bring in. He could play up and down your lineup if you had to play him as in your top six. He could play there, but he could also. And I think probably better so fits as a third line center and is a pretty good third line center at that uh, and and could fill a, a need for the Red Wings. And at the same time, wouldn't command a lot of dollar amount and wouldn't command a super long term deal. So uh, someone like Brandon Sutter or maybe Brandon Sutter would be, in my opinion, a, a great pickup for the Red Wings.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I don't hate it. If you're, you know, your, your thought process is bringing a better guy.
0: That's good. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, again, as a third line center, he's, he would be totally fine for Detroit. I mean, you can't, I mean, again, I think you're probably going to see one or two signings of guys who get, you know, signed to these one year deals and he could be a, you know, a guy you could flip at a deadline to maybe get a fourth or fifth round pick out of, and, you know, acquire some assets. And again, if it pans out and he plays very well, you know, maybe you keep him around. I mean, heck, you look at Bobby Ryan this year. I think it worked out pretty well for him in Detroit yep. when he was healthy, and so. Yeah,
0: you know, and and they would just, have definitely flipped him for something had he not gotten hurt right before the yeah, deadline.
1: Absolutely, and so you know, again, it wouldn't shock me if they do that, and also too, it wouldn't shock me if Detroit goes out and speaking of forwards, you know, brings in a guy who's on a big contract who maybe you know some teams are just trying to get rid of because they just say, hey, you know what, we really can't afford to have this guy on the books here. We need to get rid of him. Um, you know, for example, like I mean, this is very, very drastic, but you know, you could look at a team like the Florida Panthers. Maybe they're looking to get rid of that ten million dollar contract. And Detroit, with all the money in the world, says, "Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's make a deal. You know, you give us something. You know, you give us someone good here." I don't think either.
0: I don't think no, there no, no, is I, enough. <laughs> There's not enough out there.
1: <laughs> to... No, no, I, I I absolutely agree with you. But more realistically, I think maybe you look at a name like a James Neal, right? A guy who you know, Edmonton would like to get a little bit of wiggle room as far as caps concerned, because they have, you know, guys like Tyson Berry that they'd like to bring back Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And maybe they don't have the money to do it. So, you know, maybe you make a move to, to acquire him and you get a second round or a third round pick or something, you know, substantial out of Edmonton for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly what it would take to, uh, to drag James Neal out of Edmonton, uh, but one other name that could be an interesting snag for Detroit. What about Ryan Johansson in Nashville? What about bringing in someone who they, they obviously the $8 million that he's making a year is a, is a gross overpayment. Uh, there maybe was a time when it was slightly justified, but it obviously is no longer, uh, he can still play it like he's still a top six forward. I mean this, this year, notwithstanding, I mean, he, he's still decent enough. And, uh, what if, you know, Nashville says, Hey, we're like, we'll trade him to you and we'll give you, I don't know what it would take a first round pick to get him to get the, the red wings to take his salary for nothing. Like to not have to, uh, to not have to, Give anything else up, and and to hold on to salary, uh, I would guess that it would be a first round pick. If, you know, if the Leafs had to pay a first round pick for Carolina to take Marlow's contract, granted Marlow was a UFA and and never played there, but uh, I mean maybe a first round, you package a first round pick and Ryan Johansson and the the Red Wings, maybe dump. Uh, then they they give the Predators Franz Nielsen. So then that's one year where, you know, things are relatively equal uh, in terms of the contracts. I think Franz Nielsen's five and a half. And, uh, you know, you let the Predators see if they can do something with Franz Nielsen. And then, hey, the Red Wings have this viable top six forward that they can use. Maybe he just isn't used at center anymore and he's used on the wing. uh, But. You have somebody that you can move up and down your lineup that gives you a little bit, you know, gives Dylan Larkin somebody to at least take some passes from. I mean, I think Brian Johansson can still be useful. Uh, it's just, you know, do you want that $8 million on the book in four years? That, that would be the, the only question. But if it was in exchange for a first-round pick, it might be worth it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if, if Nashville's going to give that up, but I don't think Nashville's going to give up picks to get rid of Ryan Johansson. I think they still like him well enough uh, to to keep him around and try to make it work. Um, especially because, like you said, he's still a top six guy. Now the question becomes, you know, at at some point, um, you know, when does Nashville finally decide, hey, this this isn't working anymore. We we have to do something drastic, right? And I don't think they're there yet. I think this team still thinks they can compete and. Uh, you know, obviously they're they're doing an okay job right now uh, in the first round. So, um, you know, that doesn't doesn't help their chances of of you know blowing this team up and trying to start over again. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But um, it would be interesting if they try to move Johansson in the off season. I think you know if anybody you know is worth moving to make a splash and try to get something in return. Ryan Johansson might be a guy for them to try to get an asset out of.
0: Sure, yeah, it's him and Ekholm for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, what else you got on the Red Wings? What what else are you thinking? What about the goaltending position? I know Bernier is a UFA. Grice is still there. Grice didn't really look like the Grice of the New York Islanders, but uh, the Red Wings weren't weren't the, the greatest. Actually, that's a lie. He actually played pretty well, didn't he? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean he, he started off you know, he started off actually pretty poor. I think he went like ten games without a win or I something. like that. I think that's where was, my
0: brain was going. It must yeah.
1: be but what I will say is he, he finished really strong. And uh, if there is one good thing the Wings have had over the last you know year or two, it's it's been good goaltending. I mean, Jonathan Bernier's been been doing very well since he got there, considering everything that he's had in front of him. Uh, and he you know he finished well again this year, granted with some injuries. But uh, you know from what I understand, I've, I've heard that you know they want to bring him back, or at least that he wants to be back in Detroit and he's willing to stay. Um, now the question is again, you know, how long do they want to keep him around because? You know, if you're Detroit, you have to look long-term, right, beyond two or three years that maybe Bernier has left to be very competitive. And really Detroit, I don't know yet if they have that guy. They have some some guys in the minors like Philip Larson, uh, you know, Caden Fulcher who could be potential guys of the future. But, um, you know, are they for sure things? No, not yet. We don't really know. So, you know, this is a draft where there's a couple goaltending prospects Uh, Rated very, very high. Now, I don't think if the Wings, you know, finish in the top 10 would take them. But you could potentially see them using that Washington pick to select a goaltender and hopefully maybe finding somebody long-term, right, who can come in in two or three years uh, if he develops well and quickly enough that could potentially be there when Bernier and Grice are finally out of Detroit. Now, um, you know, to me, I don't think there's any free agents that they could bring in outside of maybe Bernier that would be worth going long-term on uh, you know, you could look at a guy like David Riddich, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you, you give him a couple of years if you want him to be, you know, that that pairing with with Thomas Christ. But, you know, honestly, I think it's, is it is isn't an upgrade from Jonathan Bernier. No, not really. So, you know, in my mind, just keep what you have. And, you know, they have to they have to draft something and they have to develop someone here soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to if the guy if nobody's there, it's not worth forcing. Like there are always free agent goaltenders that that will come in, in time. For know, sure. but when when the time is right, the Red Wings could go out and spend some money on a on a potential UFA goaltender. I mean, they're 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 always kind of out there. Uh, but
1: no, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think because you could go out as to you know if you were Detroit, you were actually competitive. You could go out and acquire a Freddie Anderson or even overpay for right. a Tuka Rask this right. year and say, you know, we can compete with these guys. We can win. And so, yeah, you could do that. But I think ideally Detroit would like to develop somebody. And, I mean, I mean, yes, every team would like that too. But, um, you know, it's whether or not they actually have somebody is the big question.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it certainly bodes well um, for the trend. We know that hockey is full of trends. Teams follow similar trends. And, with Spencer Knight being taken in the first round and 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 playing. I mean, that's a that's a good sign. When you also have, you know, Vasilevsky's a first round draft pick, uh, Carter Hart's a first round draft pick. You you have these first round draft pick goaltenders who are coming into the league pretty quick and, and being really good. So it's not like you have to wait till they're all twenty five years old and and i think that that has always that's been some of the hesitancy is that a lot of these goalies take so long to develop that a general manager goes i mean my contract is 3 years <laughs> i can yeah. i can pick some i can pick a forward that i know has a chance to play in 2 but a goalie might not play for 6 they might not play till they're 23 24 25 26 maybe even 27 like jack campbell <laughs> he's he's yeah. finally become a number 1 goalie and it took them like 10 years almost. So I, I think there's a hesitancy due to that. But you get the right team at the right time who who's willing to do something like that. And uh, maybe it is the Red Wings because you also, Steve Iserman is not going anywhere for a while. Like he could, he could take a, use one of those first round picks or one of his three second round picks on a, on a goal, goalie that they really like. I mean, they also. They have Edmonton and and New York's, the Rangers' for second-round pick, so uh, along with Vegas' third-round pick and Tampa's fourth-round pick and Ottawa's fifth-round pick. (laughs) The only pick they don't have is their own seventh, so they've got plenty of picks in this upcoming draft. They can absolutely, I would be surprised if they didn't use one on a goaltender out of all those picks.
1: I I I absolutely agree with you. I think the prime spot would be to use one of those second-round picks because – Typically, you know, with those first-round picks, you want to hit on more sure things than not. And I think, like you said, you're more likely to hit on a forward, on a defenseman, than you are on a goaltender, at least in the first round, Uh, just given the the history. You know, yes, you know, Florida's gotten lucky on Spencer Knight and Philly with Carter Hart, but that doesn't always work out for every team. Like you said, Jack Campbell took a long time to develop. And so, you know, does Eisenman want to take a chance, you know, when he's maybe three, four years away from competing again? Maybe,
0: maybe when you, not. When but. you can let somebody else develop a goalie and let that goalie be, become a free agent by the time they're ready to actually win, right? A, or trade for one, you know. Or trade for one, you know. That's that's the other side of it. Is that if yeah, you think and we've you got
1: market? Yeah, we've seen the market. I mean, for goaltenders, like you said, trading is not that expensive no. to, to to acquire somebody.
0: No, but it, but it, but once you, if you do hit on that franchise goalie, then you'll never get one. Because yeah. they'll sign them to a, to a massive deal, but there's just not that many of them out there. Uh, one final question for you: Jeff Blashill was signed to an extension after, you know, really. Maybe I, I was. I would love to know, in terms of coaches' records, how long they last with a losing record before you know a team moves on. But uh, I mean, Jeff Blashill has never had a winning season with the Red Wings. I don't believe they've ever made the playoffs with him. Uh, he's been there since 2015-16. So he's uh he's I think a lot of us thought that this is maybe it for Jeff Blashill, but Eiserman keeps going back to him. Obviously Eiserman likes him. And uh I'm wondering what you thought of of Jeff, Jeff Blashill getting another extension.
1: Yeah, you know, to be quite honest, I really don't have a problem with it from the, the perspective that really the wings aren't going to be competitive for a couple of years right so you know it really doesn't matter to me who they have behind the bench there because what i want is Yeah but you want
0: somebody with, to to develop these younger well, that's guys I mean. right like
1: Yeah absolutely but who you want back there is somebody that doesn't win but can develop and and according to everything that i read the free press the detroit news and um you know with what i'm hearing from Eisman they really like the fact that they think Blatchel is a good guy to develop youngsters and so Uh, If that's really their thought process behind that, you know, more power to him. And, you know, I think we'll we'll clearly see here in the next couple of years if he can live up to that hype, because, um, you know, obviously he had some success in the minors with, you know, some younger guys winning a Calder Cup with the Grand Rapids Griffins. But, you know, to me, I think, um, you know, personally, uh, I I honestly think it's it's all about development. It's not about winning right now for this team. And so, you know, a losing or a winning record doesn't really matter to me. I I Uh, did.
0: I did. I made a mistake. He did make the playoffs his first year as the coach. That was when yeah. the, the the Wings lost the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one, and they it was pretty obvious that that team was just you know was their last shot at it. It was the what the twenty fifth year in a row they made the playoffs. That whole deal, yeah. Uh, but but after that, his best season seventy nine points. In fact, he has. He had 79, 73, 74, and then 39 last year, which was just terrible. And uh, he had 48 points in 56 games. So the the Red Wings did play better this year than uh, they did the following year. So maybe that's the, you know, they see the, there's an improvement in terms of the way the team played. Because certainly this team was more entertaining than it was last season.
1: Yeah, and imagine if they had a healthy, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, Robbie Fabry, Uh, you know, Dylan Larkin, and then, you know, Verona for the whole year, you know, who knows where this team could have gone. So, uh, you know, to your point at the beginning of the show, when you said, you know, this team could surprise people, be the next New Jersey Devil where they just make the playoffs randomly one season, you know, out of, you know, that would be fun to watch. But
0: like, yeah, I'm sure it would be. Uh, You know, you're (laughs) drooling right now. I can't see you, but I know you are.
1: I I just can't wait till we get to a point here in the next few years where Detroit's competitive enough to really compete with, you know, the Toronto's in their division here, because me and you to get to sit down and watch a good playoff series between these two teams is be, just what I'm, what I'm drooling over
0: right now. That would be fantastic. Speaking of playoff series, the Leafs are about to start. So uh, I think that before we, before we wrap it up though, I want to, I, I have a feeling I know where you're going, but where, where do you see this team uh, in terms of their development and, and the way that they're moving forward? Where did you have them ranked?
1: Yep, they're continue a rebuild. I think they're, are basically three to four years out, much like the team we talked about in the last show in the New Jersey Devils. They just need to acquire prospects, acquire pieces, and maybe, you know, a, like, you know, Eisenman did last year, use this cap space to acquire and take on bad, at, bad contracts.
0: All right, and I think that's exactly what they'll do. Uh, aside from, I, I hope that their higher draft picks get more of an opportunity this next year, particularly Lucas Raymond and, and very much so, Marie cider so yes sir all right well you can find us on twitter at ot hockey talk let us know what you thought and let us know where uh, you think the red wings will what they'll do in the off season and until we t- until we speak again and uh and we go through more teams off seasons we will uh, we will talk soon